The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. And you know that thing I said about no more pods until after the World Cup? Well, yeah, I lied. And that's because Cristiano Ronaldo is leaving Manchester United and the Athletic are also reporting that the club is up for sale. Wow. Just when I thought it was safe to book my first trip abroad for three years on the first day, this happens. So I think it's best if I hand over to Carl Anker and the boys. Take it away. One more cruise campo, please. Thanks, Ian, mate. And just when you thought Lionel Messi losing to Saudi Arabia would be the biggest news story of the day, we get a whole bunch of Manchester United stuff. And just when you thought Cristiano Ronaldo being a free agent was going to be the biggest news story today, we get a much bigger one involving the Glazers possibly being open to selling Manchester United. The wording is quite precise here. Laurie, can you help me out? Yeah, I feel like it's a, a more major development. We're waiting for a possible announcement. That's That would be a significant step if the Glazers go public with that intention, which is what's been reported. And we're having information that that is the case. Um, why would they do that? Um, is it a move to invite bidders and, and, and make it more obvious that they're up for sale? Because we've heard stories before about them being open to investors for different portions of the club. But this would be a, a more significant step, actually, enacting banks to go out and, and find people that have the have the wealth. Um, you know, it's obviously a small pool of potential buyers that, that are out there. But uh, nonetheless, if that's the intention, then it, it feels like a, a more a more uh, confirmed step along that process that a lot of fans are obviously asking for. Um, but yeah, it's been a pretty crazy. A uh, couple of hours, we're recording this on Tuesday evening, right? Carl, you, you were clocked off for the day and then had to kind of do a U-turn and, and come, go and write a Ronaldo piece. I was <laughs> I was just landing back from a seven-hour flight from Doha, timing my uh, airtime perfectly uh, as the Ronaldo news dropped. So, um, yeah, it's, it's unprecedented. I think this kind of two back-to-back developments of this scale in such a short space of time. It truly is unprecedented. Andy, you've been covering this club for... A while now. Um, what do you make of the Glazers trying to sell? Do you think this has been coming? Yes, I think if you look at how much Chelsea went for, that was a a tangible figure for a large Premier League football club. A figure that someone was prepared to pay. Not only that, there were several bidders, serious bidders for Chelsea, including Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who's obviously a Mancunian and childhood Manchester United fan. From the Glazers' perspective, they could get top dollar now uh, ahead of um, what would be a big outlay to redevelop Old Trafford. Uncertainty about whether there's going to be a European Super League, which they they hoped for only 18 months ago. The debt is increasing and also the competition. They cannot compete with the state-owned clubs and I think that is the biggest challenge for anybody coming in is who you're going to be up against because fans will rightly be like brilliant they're going they're going who's going to come in we're going to go back and start winning anything the goalposts have shifted significantly since the Glazers came in 2005 and any potential investor will know what they're up against now you're basically up against Abu Dhabi uh, Saudi Arabia Chelsea has shifted 
but Manchester United are no longer the preeminent financial force that they were for a long time. Laurie, you said there's a potentially small pool of pool of investors or people who can buy Manchester United. Could it just be a case of state owner or bust for United, so to speak? Yeah, possibly. Uh, I mean, that's that would be the one that the Glazers would be rubbing their hands at, wouldn't they? Because they obviously want to maximise the the value that they've they feel they've got. Uh, I mean, I think the market uh, price uh, based on um, the shares is is sort of two and a half billion, something like that. But I, I would imagine they would want to hold out for you know maybe double that I don't know but um I mean Sir Jim Ratcliffe I, I would be interested if this does become public his reaction to that because I think he was quite uh quite vocal wasn't he uh when he gave that talk um more recently that he, he was moving on from looking at Manchester United I mean, he, he confirmed you know his interest in the club which I think a lot of fans um, were found very appealing um, that that was the kind of first time he'd said it himself but then I kind of took it as you know he was concentrating on Nice and they've got the football project there so um, I wonder if this would change anything or whether it's already for him gone too far down the line of well you know you wanted a, a ridiculous price or you know you didn't give me any indication that you wanted to sell so I've moved on um, but I do think the Chelsea bidding process showed that okay maybe it doesn't have to be uh, a state uh, fund um, possibly there could be a consortium put together but it'd have to be a lot of wealthy individuals or you know or hedge funds and you kind of then getting into the realm of it is, is that a great thing for United anyway um, it's it's a it's a bleak aspect of football now that when you talk about who can own football clubs because they, they've just got such such big business so corporate I mean we, we've just been in Qatar and um, uh, Nick Miller and I obviously did our, our tour and, and we did the wrap-up piece to, uh, that's gone out today and part of that is this kind of feeling of coldness that we got from being in Qatar at the FIFA World Cup because it, it felt like it had been designed as a kind of Disneyland for what people should enjoy football like and I feel like whatever happens now, you know, it would be difficult to 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 put the the rabbit back in the hat on, on, the, on that from a, a, an ownership point of view where whoever wants to buy a football club is either buying it to uh, better their PR, you know, as we've seen with Manchester City and, and, and Newcastle maybe and and uh, and, uh, and PSG, um, or it's as an investment vehicle as FSG have, have made it and as the Glazers have made it. So it's, you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, really. It's difficult to have this kind of unicorn figure that's a, a, a really rich fan that can run the club with the sporting interests at heart. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know, but I mean, is is this what 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 does making it public mean? I mean, and, and as as we're recording this, there hasn't actually been a statement yet, but clearly, you know, this is a developing situation. I do wonder, is it a desperate move? Is it a, a case of well, we've we've kind of been you know up for sale in part, or we've been inviting investors to have a look at us for a number of months, and it's not worked privately. So okay, let's make it public and see what we can get that way. Um, and or you know or, or is it just a case of well actually we've now decided to properly go for it and we've instructed banks so it's going to get out and we'll have to say something um i don't know but i do wonder as well if the class a class b shares the way they're you know split clearly um, the glazers hold the ones with the 10 times the voting rights should they actually now at this point if they do you know really want to push through the sale make those uh, shares all the same value and that f- therefore would encourage uh, perhaps investors to come in like they did originally or like Ma- Malcolm the, the father did originally and buy shares 
at a, you know a gradual process before finally doing a takeover. So yeah, there's just some of the thoughts I've had as an immediate reaction to it all. Andy, between a rock and a hard place for United. Yeah, I think fans would welcome the Glazers leaving the club. They're not popular. They've never been popular. That highly leveraged takeover shouldn't have been ever have allowed to have happened. Then again, the people who owned the club before them, Martin Edwards was not popular. Throughout all the time I've done United We Stand, the leading executive or the chairman has always borne the brunt of criticism. So I think a lot of fans think the grass could be greener. And looking at it on one level, it should be greener. Debt doesn't need to be loaded onto the club. You'd like to think that smarter brains could make Manchester United more successful. You know, Liverpool have been more successful than United, um, paying out smaller amounts for wages by basically being best in class when it comes to recruitment. So they have shown us another way of doing it. And Laurie's quite right when he talks about the American influence. If you look at the majority owners in the Premier League now, they are American consortiums. Do I like the idea of anyone loading more debt onto Manchester United as part of a takeover? No. I was uneasy when it happened to Burnley very recently. I think football governance has got to be stronger. I would support an independent football regulator. At the very least, financial fair play uh, should be stronger. I was in Lisbon two weeks ago when uh, Javier Tebas, the leader of um, La Liga, just was exasperated, as he said, Manchester City are claiming that their commercial revenues are bigger than Manchester United. This is what it's come to. And there are people at City who would absolutely claim this is true. I'm just doubtful of where it's all gone. I think Manchester United is one of the three biggest football clubs in the world. It's big enough to stand on its own two feet, given a level playing field. If you've got fair financial fair play, if you've got smart recruitment, Manchester United doesn't need to be weighed down by dividend payments to the Glazers, by those huge debts. United is fine by itself, but it would take an act of benevolence to come in and, and see it that way. Investors are going to look for returns. You saw the Red Knights come to prominence in 2010, 2011 and started arguing among themselves even before they got to any form of negotiating table. So there's all sorts of egos, jealousies set against sky-high expectations of a lot of fans. It's basically get us right back to the top straight away or else we're going to scream blue murder and ask for another change. So it's complicated. I'm a little bit circumspect about the whole thing, but there is a better form of ownership than the one that Manchester United currently have. I just want to pause Andy there because as we are recording this, Manchester United have just released this statement. Laurie, you're staring at your phone, uh, pulling a number of faces here. <laughs> what does the statement read? Uh, yeah, well, they have headlined it. Uh, Manchester United announces process to explore strategic alternatives to enhance the club's growth. Which, I mean, I think that kind of means we're up for sale, really. Um, or, okay, it's it's inviting investment, but it, it's, it's, a, it's phrasing it in a way that I would suggest all options are available. If someone comes and slaps a load of money down on the table that they find uh, acceptable, then the club will be sold. Um, what I find interesting, so it's quite a lengthy statement actually, which is perhaps surprising. Um, I suppose they feel that this is such a major moment that they have to explain it in full. Um, so they talk about the process is designed to enhance the club's future growth with the ultimate goal of positioning the club to capitalise on opportunities both on the pitch and commercially. I mean, you'd kind of think that that's already, you know, 
the the idea really. <laughs> um, I mean, it kind of says, "Give us more money so we can, I don't know, what build more about the training ground." Or is this wrapped up in the stadium as well? You know, like I mean, that is such a huge commitment. And have they looked at what the price of the building the stadium is and thought, actually, we, we can't afford this. We can't load more debt onto the club. We can't um, sell the naming rights because that'll cause a stink. The only thing we can do is is sell equity in the in the club. Um, so that it goes on quite a lengthy time, but the, the interesting thing is that um, executive co-chairman um, Avram Glazer and Joel Glazer are both being uh, well quoted. Um, I mean, it sort of talks generally. The strength of Manchester United rests on the passion and loyalty of our global community of 1.1 billion fans and followers. Um, it's gone up since uh, <laughs> last time I uh, I saw that <laughs> used as a figure. 1.1 billion now. Um, as we seek to continue building on the club's history of success, the board has authorised a thorough evaluation of strategic alternatives. We will evaluate all options to ensure that we best serve our fans and that Manchester United maximises the significant growth opportunities available to the club today and in the future. Throughout this process, we will remain fully focused on serving the best interests of our fans, shareholders and various stakeholders. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it also says the Rain Group is acting as a exclusive financial advisor and Latham and Watkins LLP is legal counsel to the company. Rothschild & Co. is acting as an exclusive financial advisor to the Glazer family shareholder. So there's lots of people getting paid here <laughs> to advise Manchester United and, and, and act on this sale. Um, it's, it's big business. I mean, yeah, fans will look at that and think, well, you know, you haven't actually really served the club's best interests in your whole time of, of being here. So that's, you know, we can take that with a pinch of salt. The, the main thing is, as we discussed earlier, the club, this is a public statement by the Glazers to say, we are open for investment. If you're interested, put your money on the table and, and let's have a talk. Is that as plain as it? should be Andy offering up a piece of the pie to who may come through there's two words there a sale that could be the whole pie they're prepared to sell the club it's there in that statement the board will consider all strategic alternatives including new investment into the club a sale they would cash in so I've, I've been told over the last couple of months and it's been bubbling under this for a while that the different Glazer siblings I've got slightly different views on where the future of Manchester United might be. And that in recent weeks, that view was becoming more towards it would be better if we cash in, if we sell the club. I don't think you will find any complaints from Manchester United fans if that happened. The jigsaw's starting to come together, isn't it? We've seen the price of Chelsea. We've seen that there are we're very interested parties in Chelsea. Manchester United are a far bigger club with a far bigger support than Chelsea. 1.1 billion fans, they say. They didn't bother to communicate with them once between 2005 and 2021. On one level, you've got to admire the, the way that they took the club and will profit from it. It was so audacious what they've done. Barely... Well, it was legal, wasn't it? It's <laughs> highly unethical. I don't think it's possible to buy a club using that manager manner anymore, is it? No, nah, they've um, they've mortgaged a massive house, and the the money of Manchester United fans has paid off that mortgage, and they're going to sell that house if they do. So, a huge, huge profit. It is sad when when you think about it again like that, isn't it? That you know the the money that they paid for it, and listen, it was it was shares that were publicly traded. So you know you can't. 
have a go at them, I suppose, you know, that if they come at it from a business perspective, but the, the idea that you could then load so much debt onto the thing that you're buying, it, it staggers my brain. And all that money that has gone out of the club on, I mean, just the fees, the interest rates, various people getting paid at various moments for, you know, basically just so that the Glazers could own the club. Then you get into the the dividends each each year. Um, it is staggering, and yeah, they'll they'll make a huge huge profit when they finally come to sell this club. When they finally come to sell this club, what a sentence! Big questions for what happens to Manchester United in 2023, but one thing we know for sure is Cristiano Ronaldo will not be a Manchester United player. In what we thought was going to be the biggest news story, it comes to light that his contract has been terminated via mutual consent, effective immediately. Andy, what's that all about? Well, it's the right thing, isn't it, Carl? Laurie? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's it's a sensible thing to do. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I'm, I'm, I will I'm, say... Uh, considering today's news, Cristiano Ronaldo leaving and the Glazers possibly up, being up for sale, there must be a Manchester United fan out there somewhere that either has a monkey paw, a rabbit's foot, or has found a lamp with a genie in it and is enacting some very specific wishes as to what they want in the next couple of seasons because this is a very weird day. <laughs> well, you would say that the hat trick would be Eric Ten Hag resigning. You know, your star <laughs> player or your biggest name players going, the Glazers are going. You might just, but that would that would be in contrast to the other two aspects. There's that a final about. wish being made somewhere, and I'm going. Hang on, what's going on here? What's going on? What's the final news story? I, th- I think, as far as Ronaldo's concerned, I mean, I was just reflecting on it, and it's it was only last Tuesday that um, we we did on the Athletic the piece where we spoke about United consulting lawyers and. It, it, it feeling like it was the beginning of the end, but with United, these things usually drag and drag and drag. You know, they act, the the fact that they've actually done it in a week. You know, they had to kind of wait really as well for the interview to come out in full. You know, so what was it Wednesday and Thursday, I think. Um, so I think for them to actually have sorted it by now is 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 rapid speed for for United <laughs> the way they usually do this kind of business. Um, I guess because he wanted to go, Eric Ten Hag certainly wanted him to go. You know, it, it wasn't necessarily you had to negotiate for too long. I, I am intrigued. I mean, United say that there's there's no money being paid to Ronaldo over this because that was the big um, sort of question mark even back in the summer when this this sort of first got mooted that you know couldn't they just cancel his contract? Um, so that's that's a key uh, point to make. Um, but there was certainly some negotiation going on, and I kind of do wonder what those kind of talks were about. Um, whether you know there was there was I've had I spoke, spoken to people throughout the game that say you know United could have um, could have ultimately sued Ronaldo for breach of contract and bringing the club into disrepute and for reneging on his contractual terms you know in terms of uh, being available to to play and and, and come on as a substitute um, and then there were other people that would have said that threw in this idea that actually um, uh, George Mendes as his agent uh, will get paid. Um, 
uh, sort of in, in stages uh, by United for bringing him to the club. I don't know what that agent fee would be necessarily, but there was that idea that would would he have some outstanding money that he's owed as part of this deal, and, and would that actually then have to be negotiated, or or even well, actually, your player's not here for the length of the contract that you originally signed, so you don't get paid either. So, and and what 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 uh, ripple effect does that have when George Mendes has players, you know, throughout the game and, and in future years? It's all these kind of you know, jigsaw pieces that I think you kind of have to knit together when you're uh i don't know if you, you don't really knit jigsaw pieces together do you but um <laughs> sort of mixed, mixed metaphors there uh, it's been a long day <laughs> been a long day been a long few weeks <laughs> laurie we know you had just come up landed in manchester airport when this news broke andy where were you when you found out about this ronaldo news i was about to start writing an article for the athletic about uh well It'll be published in the next week, so I'll say it on another <laughs> podcast if if we do. And, oh, and uh, just got a message through, yeah, this is going to happen. So I spoke to my various editors, had a little bit of lead-in time. And then uh, I, was expe- I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I knew Manchester United wanted a swift re- resolution. I know Manchester United felt they were on very solid ground with regards to the situation with Cristiano Ronaldo, especially because of the interview, but because of some other issues as well, um, some some of which have been made public, some of which haven't in our times reporting on the club. And United were never going to pay, pay up his contract. Um, why should the club pay up his contract? They didn't do. It's cost Cristiano Ronaldo money. If he would have kept his mouth shut and just saw out his contract, then he would have got all that money. But that was never his style. He was never going to do that. He was telling people in August that... He'd be gone in a week. So it took him a bit longer than a week. It's just best for all parties. And ideally now, you're talking about the third piece of good news. There's a nice pot of money there, potentially. We don't know who's going to own the club now. Could move very quickly. <laughs> Bring in Mbappe. <laughs> the world will just be at peace together. I saw him scoring for uh, France tonight and sending out messages of... I think it was with his hands he was trying to sort of show a, a remodelled Old Trafford or maybe that was highly wishful thinking. Was that not yeah, was that not his first contract uh, demand? <laughs> I'm going to uh, view his uh, yeah. kneeling when, when, down goal celebration as him honouring Eric Cantona. That's my new theory. <laughs> Laurie... You, you uh, do realise the likeliest player to, to sign for United from that game is going to be Olivier Giroud, don't you? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rabiot had a good game, didn't he? He did. That was quite funny. He did. Rabiot got a goal and assist in the first half for France. Uh, and then all of a sudden I started scratching around going, what was Ten Hag planning? Uh, Laurie, there's going to be loads of Manchester United fans listening to this podcast thinking, well, who's coming in? They, they, they must be a man short. They must need a striker. Any idea if United are even thinking that far ahead? I, I keep asking the question. I, I keep, you know, from various different people and, and not really getting a, a firm answer. I think they've kind of just been so focused on the Ronaldo situation that you know that not really explored the alternatives I, I they obviously have had conversations with different agents I think I mentioned before I've I was in Munich for the um <laughs> trying to scout Eric Maxim to promoting uh, <laughs> and, and you know I, I he could obviously do a job for United um but then yeah I think it, I don't know I, I get the sense that there's not 
a load of money there. Okay, the wages certainly is is a big thing. If you get Cristiano Ronaldo off your books, that's that's I think I think it's like twelve wasn't it twelve million or something like that for this for the six months. So it's a, a decent chunk of change that you could you know you could use certainly for a, a kind of stopgap striker again with with air in January, aren't we? Um, but I don't know what what do you guys think? Is there anybody that you think is is gettable? I mean, we've, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say this to you, Carl, and you you can say what you think. But you know, I'm gonna say. A strike, well, not a strike, a forward that scored a goal in the World Cup with his head in in a centre forward style, Cody Gakpo. Oh, oh, well, I'm I'm wearing a bright yellow, bright orange jacket with the Netherlands on the back. So, yeah, he he would be a very interesting piece at Manchester United. No, I'm not saying he's coming. It was expressed to me when I wrote a piece early on in him that PSV are in a case of when rather than if. Uh and if he has a good World Cup, I'm thoroughly expecting PSV to go, no, he's far too expensive. We're going to try and win the Eredivisie because we're already top and leave Ajax to it. Uh, and, and the way the Netherlands are playing, I do expect them to have a good World Cup as well. So I'm not going to get anyone's hopes up about that. I also don't think Gakpo would be a great tactical fit for United. His best position at the moment is on the left wing for PSV. Uh, and then for the Netherlands, he's playing as a number 10 behind Memphis. And... Stephen Bergwijn, well, you know, well, he's not typically Stephen Bergwijn. I think if he came to United, those would be his two positions. So that would mean, here out, I'm fantasy casting what would happen if he turned up. No, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, Gakpo, interesting, another one. Uh, and yeah, I, I'd still remain quite interested in Memphis Depay if one day he could be reunited on a free. But that is pure <laughs> fantasy, pure fantasy from me. Well, in 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 the summer, they they did have talks about Memphis Depay. It was more, I think, his people proposing him to Manchester United than anything but you know it wasn't there was some dialogue there at least and it's worth reminding that on Cody Gakpo United actually agreed terms with him and they just in the end didn't go for it because the Anthony price just rose and rose well you know it was, it was late in the day they, they, they panicked but didn't they and the price went up and that's where it's hard privatised so he, he clearly would be up for coming to Old Trafford anyway so, oh, Andy, are we going to have a case of uh, Garnacho up front or emergency striker Scott McTominay? <laughs> Manchester United need goals. That is clear. Garnacho should be allowed to continue his fantastic development. You look at Barca last season, they brought in Aubameyang in January. So you could go for the, the disenfranchised striker, the one who's not happy at his current club, whoever that, that is. It certainly worked for them last year as a stopgap until they brought Lewandowski in. Um, with Gapco, I spoke a lot uh, just as they were preparing to play Rangers in the Champions League qualifier. And I know some good people in Eindhoven. Um, one of them said to me, yeah, he will be top, but just give him two or three years. It's a little bit too early for him to go to a top Premier League club. And that person knows 20 times more about his levels than, than I would. With Depay... Not really worked out for him in the last six months at Barcelona. I know that, as Laurie said, Barca were trying to offload so many different players to United right at the end. And I, I know of lots of conversations. It was Serginio Dest, you know, was basically told, uh, <laughs> go, because you ain't playing any football at all. And Manchester United... He didn't look great for USA last night, by the way. No, no, no. He, I mean, he, he, he isn't. But if 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 you if you're trying to bring money in, you you're going to say, look, this guy's going to be the next whatever. Um, I just think that the situation, if Manchester United are in a reasonable uh, position in the league, which they are, seem to be making progress, which the the, the club are, um, then it becomes quite attractive to play up front 
um, with very good players around you. I think the team's missed a number nine. You know, Cavani at his best non-injured would have been fantastic, but not the 35-year-old always injured Cavani. Um, unfortunately, and I spoke to two sporting directors at different clubs, the very it's the most difficult position to find. They're not cheap. It's very, it's, and they're not cheap either. You saw that with uh, Liverpool with Damian Nunes, what they paid, and Manchester United were try they tried to pull United into an auction situation there. Benfica didn't really happen. Manchester United pushed back. United gave that old line of uh, "Please keep us abreast of developments." I mean, I could tell you four or five players who said that to uh, Ollie Watkins. <laughs> 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 You see these players coming up against Manchester yeah, United yeah, yeah. all the time and you're yeah. thinking, well, he was watched. He was scouted 12 times. And, of course, very little of this gets made public. It's up to us to try and find out who the club are looking for. But there's a good chunk of money there in theory, even though United overspent. And as Laurie said, panic towards the end with overpaying a bit for Anthony. Um, the, the, there is money there for a centre-forward. Igalo didn't really work, did he? So he came in in January, had one good game against Lask, then COVID sort of shut down everything, in, including his form. So it, it, it can be hit and miss. It's January is a very difficult time to recruit, but if you sat there with a bag of gold, there will be a million agents in football saying, <laughs> come and take my player and let me take a cut. I'm sat here watching that France game, also quietly happy that Didier Deschamps didn't call up Anthony Martial to replace Karim Benzema now, because, well, you need him to play as <laughs> yeah. many games as possible. <laughs> Wrap him up. I know, I know, I yeah. know. Well, gentlemen, is we've been talking for half an hour, and Laurie's got his finger up, so he wants to keep going. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I just want one, one quick point. It's just funny, uh, Ryan Johnson, who's uh, uh, from the United stand, he was on the pre-season tour, uh, he tweeted that there's actually f- fireworks going off at Old Trafford. Uh, and I've texted him and he says, basically within 15 to 20 minutes, uh, there was some 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 sharp thinking celebrating United fans. So let's see if the fireworks continue uh, once it's actually all sorted. Yep. Manchester United come back sometime in the summer for the second half of the season. Cristiano Ronaldo won't be there. Uh, and there'll probably be plenty of conversation over the new owners. Rest assured, though, the Talk of Devils team will be there to cover everything. But if you want to find out more, you can subscribe to The Athletic now for a pound a month for the next 12 months at www.theathletic slash manunitedpod. That's www.theathletic.com slash manunitedpod for our Black Friday special offer. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Laurie. Uh, thanks, Ian, for charming in from your holiday. We hope you're doing well and enjoying the sun in Tenerife. And uh, yeah, thanks to you, listener. We'll see you sometime soon. Bye-bye now. Athletic.